Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, Life Church. How are you today? Awesome. So it's so good to see you. I know we have lots of guests in the house. I met several on the way in. Can our church give a good welcome to our guests that are with us? We're so honored you came. I want to share with you a few things coming up in August so everybody's on the same page with some things. You see on the screen, just want to update you that we have a new Hanover High School supply drive going on right now. And the supplies that they have asked for, which are kind of unique. You know, we met with the principal there, Principal Sutton, and this, this is his request. And my first thought was, was, why didn't he ask for paper? You know, like that seems, but shared with us that when students don't feel good about themselves, they do not perform well in school. And so these are the things that they have asked for. So I'm asking you to please bring these supplies. There's a trailer they'll be out front next week, load up the trailer so that we can take it to the school in the following weeks. Please, though, don't be extra and put extra stuff in there. All right, just stick with the plan. They don't need anything else. And so just those things. So take a picture of that and be great. So you can drop it off today or next week when you come, and then we will be able to bless the principal, which will be here next week. Uh, we're going to pray over Principal Sutton next week as they are getting ready to begin their school year. And so it'll be a special moment with him here. I look forward to that. Also at the same time, though, we're going to pray for every student, every teacher, every faculty member of any school, anywhere that belongs to our church. And we want to pray over you. We're going to bring you up front. We're going to lay hands on you. It's going to be a great holy moment. We believe the Holy Spirit will empower our students, our teachers, faculty to have a great year with the blessings on it. So that'll be next week with Principal Sutton. Also, at the following of this series, which is on August 28th, we're having baptisms here at our church. And so if you have never been baptized, I would invite you to go public with your, with your walk with God and be baptized. We'll have the baptism tank. It'll be outside under the carport. It's such a special moment when we do baptisms. It'll be right after each service. And as the church is heading out to your cars, we're all going to gather around the baptism tank. We're going to baptize people. We celebrate. We cheer. It's a special moment for our church. And so, one, if you want to be baptized, please sign up. Two, don't rush out next week. Stick around so you can celebrate other people. So that's, uh, that's some events going on. I want to begin today with a little humor. I haven't told a joke to you lately, so I have a good joke for you today. I, I've, I've been looking forward to this all morning to tell you this joke. Um, the sermon's great. It'll be fine. But the joke, you're going to love this. So, um, so I grew up in the country, all right, so in, in western North Carolina. And so I have a Bubba joke for you. So Bubba, Bubba wanted to go bear hunting. And so he went off into the woods and he hunted and looked and searched. And he didn't find a bear all day long. So finally giving up on it, he set his shotgun down and there was a creek not far from there. So he walked down to the creek to kind of cool off. And, and just as he got to the creek, he looked about 100 yards from him was this grizzly bear running right for him. And so it was too late to run back to his gun. So he did what we would all do. He prayed and he said, dear Lord, would you please let this be a Christian bear? 
And just as he prayed that, that bear just stopped on a dime. He lifted his paws to heaven and he said, dear Lord, thank you for this meal that I'm about to eat. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you think. It's good. We're in a series called Fans and Followers. That's why he actually came to, to worship and hear the word. My series, uh, my sermon title today, Is It Personal Yet? Is it personal yet? Maybe look at somebody beside you and say, it's going to get personal today and kind of say it like, oh, here it comes. No, it's going to be great. You're going to like this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that as I communicate your word, that it would build faith. As Harriet spoke to us earlier, that we would put faith back on the platform. Lord, I pray that you would use this message to strengthen us. And Lord, if there are people here that are brand new to church, let this message just communicate to their heart. For those that have been around a while, build us, give us strength. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. amen. So recently, I have become a huge CrossFit fan. So if you don't know what CrossFit is, it's a, it's a brand of, of gyms that are, are all over the world. They're huge. And, and people often say, well, if you're in CrossFit, you're in a cult. And, and, and probably, yes, I kind of agree because we like to talk about it all the time. If you, go to, if you know anybody in CrossFit, well, you know they're in CrossFit because they tell you about it all the time. And so I'm telling you about it. I'm in CrossFit. I'm doing my part. But I love CrossFit. It's huge. 1,300 gyms around the world, 120 countries it's in. And so they have this event once a year called the CrossFit Games. And, and so basically all of the gyms have competition and they send their best athletes to one of the regionals. And then the regionals, they pick all the best athletes and it keeps going all the way until you have like the Super Bowl of CrossFit. So it's, it's huge. And so I watch it online. It's exciting to watch. And, and so the winner of the CrossFit Games is, is crowned or titled as the fittest person on earth. And so it's just fun to watch. And so they're amazing what they do. There's this one athlete though, and his name is Rich Froning. And, and he's, he's my favorite. Like I am a fan of Rich Froning. He is incredible. He has won the, the title of fittest person on earth four times. And at these games, they also have a team division and four people compete as a team. His team has won it six times. So he's like, he's the fittest, you know, human on earth. And so I'm a fan of his and I, I like to watch him, you know, perform. He, he actually opened up his own CrossFit gym. It's called CrossFit Mayhem. It's in Tennessee. And it's like somehow it's become a a pilgrimage for CrossFit athletes to, to make it to Rich's gym and work out there, maybe meet him one day. You know, it's like a cult thing. It's, it's great. I don't mean it really cult, but you know, it's, just, it's exciting. So I'm, I'm a fan of Rich. He's, a, he's a really an amazing Christian person as well. And so I know all kinds of facts about him. I, I, you know, I watch him on YouTube. It's great. But here's the thing I want to bring you to today with this whole story is that I know a lot about Rich Froning but I don't really know him personally. Like I'm a fan, you know, like from a distance fan, but I don't know him personally. Like I don't know what he likes to do in his spare time. I don't know what he does when he's not working out. Uh, I don't know how he makes decisions and forms his values in life. Other, maybe he's a, a Christian. I don't know. I don't know how he handles stress in life. I don't know what, how he does with that and criticism. 
I don't know his preferences in movies and things like that. I don't know what he prefers to eat when he's not training. I don't know if he's like me, like when I'm not training, peanut butter and jelly all day long. It's great. So, but I don't know what he likes in his life. And so I don't know. But let me contrast that to my personal relationship with my wife. So Rich, I'm a fan. I have a personal relationship with her. I know her. I study her. Uh, I, I, I know a lot about her. Then she'll change a little bit and I have to learn more. I don't know why women, you do that. You just change every now and then. We have to keep up. It, it keeps us hustling. It's all right. But see, I know, I know what she likes to do in her spare time. I know how she makes her decisions and what her values are because we have a personal relationship. I know how she handles stress and, and criticism and I've seen her walk through that. I know what her favorite movie is. I know that. It's You've Got Mail. We have any You've Got Mail fans in the room? So I see all the girls raising your hand. It's great. She loves, she loves the outfits of Meg Ryan. And so, you know, she likes the little white blouse. And, and I know, you know why I know all this? Because I've watched You've Got Mail probably 25 times with her because I just want to be with her sometimes, you know, and just do what she would. Because I want to be in a relationship with her. I know what she prefers to eat. I know that she loves to eat like this roasted Brussels sprouts. So they're good, they're good. But if you walk in the door while she is roasting Brussels sprouts, you know it from the driveway because it's the smell. You're like, oh, it's Brussels sprouts night. You know it. She also loves to eat shrimp and grits. She's a shrimp and grit girl. And I, I was thinking about this earlier because Brussels sprouts is kind of like the country in her. She's from the country. Shrimp and grits is like the coastal in her. So she's country and coastal all at one time. And so I have a personal, though, relationship. Personal. That's why I know more about her than just as a fan. So if you're taking notes, this is kind of an obvious point, but this leads us to where I want to take us today, that fans know about Jesus. Followers have a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus makes this point in a verse that he, that we read today, but this is what Jesus said about Pharisees. And he said in Matthew 15, 8, he says, these people referring to Pharisees, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They honor, in other words, they, they're fans. They, 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 they see him and talk about him and around him, but it's not from the heart posture. So Pharisees are fans, but not followers. There's another story I want to share with you out of Luke chapter 7 that illustrates this, and we'll take it a little deeper. And so the context of the story is that Jesus was invited to a dinner by one of these Pharisees. And most likely Jesus had been teaching that day, and he'd been out in, in the public square somewhere and preaching, and then after the, the message, one of these Pharisees invited him, said, come have dinner at my house. And, and I don't know if y'all grew up in a church that used to have like potluck dinners after church. You ever have been one of those churches? You ever been there? It's, it's kind of fun. It's all right. But I'm, I'm never going to have a potluck dinner here. Let me tell you why. Um, because years ago when I was growing up, we had potluck dinner. Now, mind you, I grew up in the country and one of the ladies, she would bring groundhog meat. Yep. But they didn't tell us until after dinner what she brought. And I know as a little kid, I ate groundhog one time 
And that's the last time we ever go into another potluck dinner, all right? So nonetheless, they invited Jesus over for a potluck dinner and he went. Now, understanding that the Pharisees, they weren't wanting Jesus to come over so they could get to know him personally. That wasn't their goal. Jesus had become famous at that point. He was popular. And so they wanted to invite over the celebrity so that they would look good. Look who came to my house today. It was kind of their, their way of making themselves look good. So, but at this dinner, it turned out to be way more than this Pharisee anticipated because a woman who the Bible says was living in sin entered the dinner party and completely changed everything. The Bible says in Luke 7, 36, when one of these Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So just a, a quick understanding in that culture, the tables were very low and they either sat, you know, like crisscross applesauce or they basically laid down beside the table, their feet extended behind them and that was how they sat at the table. And so Jesus was reclining at the table. And it says, verse 37, a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there uninvited with an alabaster jar of perfume. Verse 38 says, as she stood behind him at his feet, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So in that culture, understanding the significance of this verse, the proper etiquette was that when you had an invited guest come to your house, when they came to the door, you would give them a little kiss on the cheek, just a little that, that was their custom. Now today we've changed it. And I'm kind of glad when someone comes to your house today, you, you get up and you, you shake their hand, maybe give them a little hug. That culture, they gave them a little kiss on the cheek to signify we recognize our guest has come into the house. Then in that cust the custom of that culture was that because their, their feet were dirty, in order to have dinner, they would, they would wash the feet of their guest. And if it was a special guest, then the homeowner would be the one to wash the feet to make a statement that I recognize you're special, I humble myself, and I wash your feet. If it was just your old buddy coming over, they just kind of said, well, there's the water, clean up, see you in a minute. But they always provided something, a way for them to clean their feet. But also in this culture, if it was an especially distinguished guest, if it was someone of, of significant honor, they would anoint that person with oil as they came in the door to signify we recognize your position or your authority or just recognize the, the this distinguished guest that came into the house. And so that was the culture. And we see that the Pharisees, they neglected all of these practices to show honor to Jesus. So Jesus then speaks to them about this in verse 44. And it says, then he turned towards the woman who had poured out her heart, her, her tears and, and wiped her, his feet. And he said to the woman, but he's saying it to Simon. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. 
Therefore, I tell you, her sins have been forgiven. Her many sins have been forgiven. And as her great love has shown, but whoever, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then he said, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Later, he said, by faith, you have been saved. So this Pharisee was a, a fan of Jesus, but his heart was far from him. And this lady came into the house and, and, and she came in and she, she went to Jesus in the middle of this room of men that were looking down on her and, and it, was, it became personal for her. The, the Pharisees were like, hey, we got this cool dude here. He's, he came over to our house and, and he's become famous. And, and they were like sitting around the table with him, but they didn't want to get to know him. This lady comes in and she pours out her heart. It was personal for him. I think sometimes people misunderstand their walk with God at times and they treat it more like the, the Pharisees sitting around the table and they think, well, I went to church today, check the box, but it was not personal for them. Or I, I just went through the motions and read my Bible because I needed to get it done. This lady came in and it was personal for her. She knelt before him. It's possible that some people can attend church and, and sing songs about Jesus and, and to listen to sermons, which is important, but still not know him personally. And let me ask you, is it personal yet? Is it personal for you? Do you know God personally? Is it, is it like in your heart or is it just, is it just a, a religious activity that you do? Do you, do you feel pressure from, from family just to go to church and, and, or is it personal for you? Do you, do you pray and, and, and do devotions because you want to get to know God better or is it just, just out of routine? I, I heard pastor Bill Johnson who pastors a church out in California talking about this topic of his prayer life. And he said that he changed his prayer life when he understood it was supposed to be personal. And he said for him, he used to pray, probably like how I have mainly prayed, was results oriented. In other words, I would go to God in my prayer life and I'd say, you know, hey God, I'm here and I have this to do, I need you to do this, would you help me with that? Would you fix that? Would you solve that, heal that? And, and it was just results oriented, then amen. Bill Johnson said that when he grasped the concept of it being personal, that his prayer life changed and his prayer life changed to God, I just wanna be with you today and know you more. I just wanna be in your presence today and be close to you. And he said that as I learned to just draw near to him and let it be personal, that out of the outflow of that relationship, everything he needed got met because God already knew what he needed. God just wants you to be close. Is it personal yet? God knows you personally. It's kind of a great thought. He knows you personally. He knows about you. Did you know that the Bible says that God knows the numbers of hairs on your head? You know, for some of you, it'd be easy to get to know. <laughs> come on, people. Come on, people. 
We got to keep it light every now and then. I get a little deep, take you a little higher. It's all right. Don't get offended. The Bible says in Psalms 139, it says, you have searched me, Lord. In other words, you need to know that God's watching out for you. He's looking at your life. He's, he's looking at you. Look what it says, Lord. It says, you know me. God knows you. He knows you. It says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You know my thoughts from afar. He knows you personally, which is why he wants you to know him personally. God's personal. God's not distant. He's personal. Is it personal yet for you? A follower has a personal relationship with God. God is personal. Did you know that God has thoughts? God has preferences. God has emotions. The Bible speaks of all of these things. Let me share some of these with you just to show you how personal our God is. It says in Genesis chapter 126, it says, God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. So we can deduct from that if we are made in his image, if we reflect him, then I have a mind, I have emotions, I have preferences. I get that from him. That's part of my reflection of how he has made me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.11, it says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God. He has thoughts. He thinks things. He thinks it through. God has thoughts. 1 Corinthians 1.1 1, 1 says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. If it's his will, then this is what he wants. Like God wants what he wants and he doesn't what, what he doesn't want. That's why it's his will. And he has his will. He has his preferences. He has things that he desires out of our world. In the book of John, we see the emotions of Jesus. Jesus had lots of emotions and emotions aren't bad. They reflect a moment in your life. And here it says in John eleven thirty four, 34, when Jesus was, was deeply hurting over a friend named Lazarus. And it says, where have you put him? He asked, they told him, Lord, come and see. When he realized that Lazarus was dead, it says Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby they, they saw Jesus and they said, see how much they loved him, Jesus loved. But some, probably Pharisees, they said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And then we find out that Jesus was angry. So like in one section of scripture, we see the emotion of Jesus being on display. You need to know that, that our God has emotion. He is personal. And the reason I'm teaching this today is that you need to understand that God is, is personal, that, that he thinks, he has preferences, he has emotions because it is impossible to have a relationship with a book. It's impossible to have a relationship with a concept, with a theory or a force. Like we, he's not a force. 
He's personal. He's the person of God. Listen, we can't have a relationship with a higher power. We can't have a relationship with a cross on the wall. We cannot have a relationship with a God that is distant and unknowable. He is personal. That's why I want you to know that a fan knows about God, but a follower knows God personally, personal. So back to this story of this dinner party. The Pharisees, they only wanted to get to know Jesus because he was a celebrity. But this woman, she had a different heart. So apparently sometime earlier before this dinner party, Jesus had been teaching and, and she was listening in to Jesus teach. And maybe that day was the day that she was standing in this crowd of people and there were Pharisees there that were probably judging Jesus and, and there were other onlookers that were interested. And, and we have this, this, this woman, the Bible says, living a sinful lifestyle. Most likely it is assumed that she was living as a prostitute in her life. And so she was listening to Jesus teach that day and probably maybe Jesus said something about how he could forgive her sins because the story says that at the end that, that her sins were forgiven. And so maybe that was the moment that she heard for the first time that, that all of the things that she had been doing wrong in life can be forgiven through Jesus that day. Maybe it moved her heart. Maybe some of you need to hear that all of your sins can be forgiven as well. Maybe that day she was there and this crowd was around and listening to Jesus and maybe she realized that day that God could put together the broken pieces of her life again. Maybe that's what she heard. Maybe she was standing there and, and Jesus said that if you follow me, I can put your life back together. Maybe as this broken person is, is, is in front of Jesus that day and, and as her life is probably at a, at just a crucible of pain because of what she's living and experiencing and she's being judged by others and, and she hears this story that Jesus says, if you'll just follow me, I'll put your life back together. Maybe some of you today need to hear that story that whatever you're going through, however messed up you think your life is, however broken you feel at this moment, I want you to know that if you follow Jesus, he'll start to put your broken pieces back to life too. Maybe that day she was standing there and, and she heard that, that God had not given up on her yet. Maybe that day was the day she was standing there and, and Jesus looked at her and said, I'm not giving up on you. Maybe in her mind that she had taken her sin too far. Maybe the, the Pharisees and some of the townspeople have, have said, you know, she's an outcast. There's, it's, it's, she's too, it's too late. She's done too much. And, and maybe in her mind, she had accepted the, the, the belief that, that it's just too late. That it's just, her life is just done and she's just, she's gonna have to settle for this way of life. This is it for her. Maybe that's the day though that Jesus looked at her and said, I'm not giving up on you. There's, there's more for you. There's so much more for you. If you'll follow me, 
I'll give you a brand new life and I'll forgive your sins and I'll put your life back together. Your life is not over. There's brand new day ahead of you. Maybe that was the day that she heard that because what do we see happen? She heard where Jesus was. She walked into a dinner party with those same people who judged her and she said, I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. I don't care if they judge me. I don't care what they think. They are there. This just got personal for me because he has forgiven my sins and she came to him to worship him for what he had done. It got personal. It was personal. She worshiped. She was in a personal space of Jesus. She was vulnerable before him. And we find at the end of the day that the religious leader, he turned out to be a fan. And this one humble lady became the follower and she worshiped. I want to give you a couple steps today so it'll be personal for you. Number one is... You need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to become a follower. Maybe you are someone like this lady, not as a prostitute, but maybe some other thing you have deemed as so, so painful or broken, or, or maybe there's something in your past that has, that has scarred your heart. You feel wounded inside. Maybe there's a piece of that and, and you thought, is there any hope for me? And I want you to know that there's hope for you. That's what this story is telling you. There is hope for all of us. All of us have had broken moments and we need our life put back together. And, and honestly, even as a follower, I still have broken times and seasons and he has to put it all back together again. Maybe you need to hear forgiveness today. Maybe you need to know that God hasn't given up on you today. And you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today. Potentially you're here and maybe you've walked with God for some period of time and, 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 and possibly it has gotten routine to you. And it can happen. We, we get kind of just familiar with the patterns and, you know, it's Sunday, so we go to church and, and you know, and, and, you know, you, you, you just barely get in here and, you know, like you catch it by the second song going on and, you know, you're just rushing in and, and, and maybe you've lost that, that sense of, wow, I get to come be with God today. I get to be in the house of God today. And maybe it's just become just something I need to check the box off. Now I want to say to you, I'm glad you came even during the second song. Some of your parents, you, you made it. Good job. You got your kids partially dressed and you made it. I applaud you. Listen, I really don't care when you get here. I'm glad you make it here. But my point is, is, is from your heart though, are you approaching it? God, I get to be with you today. So maybe you're that person that's been walking with God and you need to, you need to take today and, and be reminded of the, of the awe of knowing God personally. The second thing I'll share with you is, is you need to be baptized. Baptism is the, the public expression of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so on August 28th, we're having baptisms. And if anyone has not been baptized or you want to be re-baptized, I really don't care. I care that it gets personal with you and you, you are baptized. And it says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Just like that lady who, who went right in front of everyone. It was personal. She didn't care what they thought. She was going to worship at his feet. It went public for her. And lastly, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to worship. Worship. Because worship is personal. When you worship, you say, God, I love you. That's personal. Listen, the band doesn't tell God that you love him. That's not their job. They lead you to a moment where you can lift your hands and say, God, I lift my hands to you out of worship. God, I kneel before you. It's personal, God. Too often we, we approach our, our worship time together as, as, as casual and, and it keeps us distant. But today I want to remind you that, that God is personal and your worship is the most personal thing you can do with God is to draw near to him and say, I love you, God. I love you. I worship you. I draw near to you. I pour out my heart. I pour out my tears. When was the last time you had a moment that you had so much appreciation, so connected to what Jesus has done in your life that, that tears began to, to well up in your eyes out of appreciation? That's personal. I'll tell you something a little humorous, but it'll have a good point in just a minute. Worship to God is like shrimp and grits to Harriet. What I mean by that is, is because I have a personal relationship with her, I know what she likes. I know her preferences. And so if I want to treat Harriet to a dinner and I want to do something special because I value her, because I appreciate her. And if I were to say, hey babe, I love you. I wanna do something special for you. We're going to go get sushi tonight. She would say, you go by yourself. I don't like sushi. That wouldn't, that wouldn't show her value, right? That wouldn't be the way to demonstrate her preference. And so what I do is I take her to get shrimp and grits and she loves it. And that's what shows value. God is personal and he has preferences and he wants you to draw near to him. Listen, the whole reason we worship isn't because God is, is having a, a complex about his inferiority complex. He's fine. He wants us to worship because it makes us personal with him. And that's the desire of his heart. And so we worship him because that's his preference. God loves our worship. He's personal. The Bible says that we should love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all of our might and mind. And worship is that expression of, of love to God. And so we give him, you know, we can't give God anything but our worship. He needs nothing, but he treasures our worship. The Bible says in Psalm 86, 9, it says, all of the nations that you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. 
Listen, that's the end game for God is that, that all of the nations would, would come and bow before him and worship and know him. That's what God wants. He wants a world that knows him intimately and personally. I know our country's all messed up. Lots of countries are messed up. In the end though, there'll be a moment where every nationality, every tribe bows before the Lord. And some will do it out of their own desire and will and others will do it out of force. But all will bow before the Lord one day. Our, our heart as Christians is to do what he wants and build that intimate personal relationship through worship. In the Westminster Catechisms, so Westminster is a, a church out of London and about 350 years ago, they, they wrote a series of Christian doctrines and the very first doctrine they established out of the Westminster Catechism, it says, what is the chief end of man? And they answered it with this, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Your number one purpose in life is to know God and worship him. All the other things are great. Serving others, reaching the lost, those are great. I'm not taking anything away from that, but your number one goal that God wants, your number one purpose that God wants, if you wanna know him personally, his preference is that you would have a relationship with him and know him personally through worship. And so today I wanna to close if there's anyone here that does not know him personally, you came to church today, I applaud that. But are you ready to take your next step and say, God, I, I know you as my savior, not as your parents, not as someone else's, I know you. I want you to know you are loved, just like God loved this woman in the story. Before she had repented or anything, she was loved, you are loved. Our sin is what separates us from God. We can't be in a relationship with a holy God with sin. So Jesus died on the cross as the payment for our sins. He did that on our behalf. He paid for our sin for us so we don't have to pay for it and we can have a relationship with our heavenly father. We choose to accept this gift of eternal life. And what I'm saying today is, is you choose to be a follower. Listen, I'm asking you to take a big step. I want you to be more like this, this woman in the story that, that heard about forgiveness and heard that God was gonna put her life back together and hadn't been given up on. And I want you to be like her where she heard it and she went to God and began to worship. She says, I'm gonna follow. And I want you to know to, to accept Jesus today is, is a, an acceptance of following him. I'll give you a minute to raise your hand and say, I want to choose Jesus, but I want you to do it as a place of going, I want to follow him. That's my heart. So in a personal, private moment, would you bow your heads? And is there anyone here that has heard the message today and said, I want my sins forgiven. I want my life to be put back together. Thank you, God, you haven't given up on me. I choose Jesus. Is anyone here ready to choose Jesus? If so, would you raise your hand to me and just say, that's me. 
Pastor Tim, that's me. Pastor Tim, that's me. Potentially you're here and you've let your walk with God get a little routine. And you're like, oh, I, I gotta go back to having personal walk with God. If that's you, would you raise your hand to me? Raise it real high so I can see you. God bless you. It's personal. Let's all pray this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me even when I don't deserve it. Thank you for Jesus who died for my sins. I repent. I turn to him for salvation. I choose to follow Jesus with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, God bless you. I love you. Thanks for hanging with us today. Awesome.